it, everybody just says it devastated me. It wrecked me. Yeah. It, you know, and I just think, okay, well, I'm prepared to be devastated and wrecked. I saw this trailer again the other night. <laughs> yes, it's ridiculous, but uh, I think I'm in. A good way to describe him as a filmmaker is punishing. Mm -hmm. This film is a nightmare. There are clues to oh, the Oh, yes, absolutely. There definitely are, and you can't believe you missed them. Oh, where has the time gone? Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. Well, here we sit, the end of June. July always sneaks up on us. How does I this know, happen? I know it. It just gets into it. Now we look and we say, oh, the year is half over. we got to compile a list of our favorite movies, our favorite horror movies, so far this year in 2019. Overall, obviously we've got some good ones, but I think overall... For horror, anyway, it's been a little weak. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. Um, the, I mean, the, the those that made the list are great movies, mm -hmm. but when you look at sort of the also rands, not nearly as strong as I think in years past. Yeah, although there is there there are some good ones to look forward to in the second half of 2019. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you again. We had such a great time this past Fright Club Live when we premiered The Dead Don't Die. How much fun was that? <laughs> it was so fun. Everything about it was fun. And thanks again to Cicely for, for arranging that for us. Yeah, and for the Gateway for putting us in the big room. That's right. Big room with the comfy chairs. That's right. At uh, Gateway Film Center. And Chris for giving us that nice introduction. Just the, the great crowd and the prizes we had. Even though we had those disappearing t-shirts, <laughs> uh, we got them replaced for our winners. And uh, we just had it. We had a great time, and I think everybody everybody had a good time. I mean, this film ended up being quite polarizing, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Obviously, that's a little clue as to one of the movies that made the, <laughs> made the list, but the, we really loved it, yeah, and a did. lot of people did too, but it's a it's a polarizing movie. Because it is, but he's I'll a give you this. It's a fun movie to see with a crowd. It, it I mean, really that is. crowd enjoyed it. They yeah. laughed a lot. Yeah, we had, a, we had a great time, so thank you for that. We're getting back to our regular structure of Fright Club next month, and we're going to hit it up Wednesday, July 10th. We're going to be back at the Gateway Film Center, of course, recording live. As we watch, we are the flesh. Yes, it is. Um, it's a sloppy, messy <laughs> film, and uh, and we're going to talk about uh, body fluids in right, horror movies. Right. So we'd love to have you come out and bring a towel. That's uh, <laughs> that's good advice for that one. So we're looking back at 2019 so far, the first half, and let's talk about a few. Oh no, actually no. We want to say we got a couple other thank yous to throw out right before uh, before we get to that for the uh, for last week's Fright Club, Omar. Wrote in, gave us a new theme song for he Fight did. Club. He did. He's very he, musical. He Omar. is very musical. He gave us a theme song for Screening Room, which is our other podcast, yeah. and for this one as well. So we got to set these to music and start singing them. Definitely. And going back a little bit, um, the Gates of Hell podcast went over really well. We continue to get. Uh, some feedback for the Gates of Hell of uh, Fright Club. Beer Nut One, and then Brandon, who's one of our writers at MadWolf.com, both loved Gateway to Hell podcast, especially including the Beyond. Yes, and I did have a feeling that that people were going to be happy to because it's part of a trilogy, uh, Lucio Fulci's mm -hmm. Gateway to Hell trilogy. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, yeah. one of them was going to make it. We don't spend a lot of time talking about Lucio Fulci, so it didn't surprise me. People were happy. And remember, the whole thing, the whole Gateway to Hell podcast, was uh, Jeffrey's yeah. idea. So we thank him again for that. And he wanted to hear a mention of As Above, So Below, yes. which... I have to admit, I'm not a fan yeah, of that not film. A, not a huge fan. No. It wasn't horrible, no. but just not a, not a huge fan of that. And also, finally, thank you to um, Joel. He's a filmmaker. He's been dropping by the Gateway. We've gotten to know him here lately, even though I think the first time I called him Luke. Why? <laughs> 
Why did I call him Luke? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry about that, but it's Joel. And he made a 60-second, 60-second short horror film that was very cool. Yeah, and the, the reason that this came up is that, so we had gone to the place in Columbus that's referred to as the Gateway to Hell, and, uh, and one of us injured ourselves, and uh, <laughs> we talked about it with him before we all saw Texas Massacre, and he pointed out he had just filmed something there, and well, so that's actually the yeah, location. Because we said at the time, when the first time we went there, this is a great place, would be a great place to yeah. shoot, and he did, and it was one of those that's, you know, it's hard to put together something effective in 60 seconds, yeah, and he does, but I think he did. Yeah, 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 it was great. It was a great use of color, too. Yeah. And a lot of tension in 60 seconds now. Yeah. I thought it was so great. Great job, and thank you for sharing that with us, Joel. We appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, before we start counting down our top five of the first half of 2019, let's talk about a few that didn't make the list that we also enjoyed. And I want to start with one that it, it's it's weird to talk about because it's hard hard to see, although you will be able to see this film if you come and with us and uh, enjoy Nightmares Film Festival this October at Gateway Film Center because we saw this movie as part of the submissions to the film festival. Right. And we are lucky enough to be on the jury panel. And we both both watched it. It's called Reckoning, and we loved it. We loved it. I mean, I love everything about this movie. I'm so excited to get a chance to see it on a big screen. I'm so excited to see uh, how everybody else at Nightmares, you know, feels about it. The performances are glorious. The writing is great. The direction is amazing. It looks incredible. And there's a good chance that it is so it's not technically on this list because it's not out yet. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was put it was put together by writer, co-writers, co-directors, a uh, married couple. I love their names. Lane Sky and Ruckus Sky. <laughs> awesome. Uh, cast is great. The great writing. It's it's really, really, really impressive. It especially is. for a movie that is not officially out. Um, and we're so excited. It's getting uh, it's getting a showcase at Nightmares. It's going to be the Midwest premiere. Yeah. So really, really excited. So just another reason to try to make it out to uh, Columbus, Ohio uh, for Nightmares Film Festival this October. Also, uh, another one we enjoyed, especially you, uh, The Hold on the Ground. Yes. I like Irish horror. Um, and, uh, and I like how often it has to do with sort of the woodland creatures, you know, the, mm -hmm. the sort of mythology around there. And, and this one had a similar structure to several other films that came out this year, only I thought the execution was way better. And one that uh, was a nice, mean, lean, mean little treat uh, called Pledge. Oh, yeah. Set in the, uh, the world Greek of... Greek system. Greek system and fraternities and hazing and trying to get in. It's only about, what, 80 minutes or so? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it moves, short. It does. But it, it's effective. It is. It, I, I yeah. enjoyed it. I mean, enjoyed might be the wrong word for it, because it is a <laughs> bit mean. But yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I did too. Uh, also, Starfish, that's one that we... We uh, got to meet the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. They came in to Gateway Al to White. have a screening. And uh, you got to wear the wolf head. I did which get to was wear the wolf cool. head. It and was we very liked cool. It, starfish. Yeah, it was great. Uh, just a really interesting sort of meditation on grief and the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And then one that I think for some people might toe the line between horror, maybe horror, maybe not, depending on your perspective, called Piercing. We were excited about this one because it's the follow-up, uh, Nicholas Pesci's follow-up to The Eyes of My Mother, which yeah. we adored. Adored it. And this is a very, very different movie, but it's, it's interesting and incredibly specific in the way it's all been put together. Yeah, we, we both liked it a lot. Yeah, and there's some others this year of note, you know, of of up and down on the uh, scale of how much we enjoyed it, but big, big openings so far this year. We've had Ma, we've had Pet Cemetery, The Prodigy, Annabelle Comes Home, which actually, at the time of us taping this, it's coming out here in a few days. Yeah, so we're we gonna saw have, it, though. We so saw gonna, it last we're gonna week. We're going to have our review here soon, but 
I think we both agree it's the best of the Annabelle series. Yes. We, uh, yeah. We, yeah. And that we're not just saying that because Annabelle stayed at our house. No, and that we're we're worried that she's going to come back whether we want her or not. <laughs> it turns into a nice little haunted house yeah. flick. Right. And uh, with some, it's got a lot of jump scares. Yes, which usually aren't my favorite, but some of these are effective jump yeah, scares. Yeah, it's got exclusively jump yeah, scares. I it, mean, it's it, it embraces what it is, which yeah. is like you're saying, it's a haunted house movie. Yeah. You and know? it's got it's got you know if you've seen the trailer, you know that the evil is unleashed by this one friend. Uh, coming over and and letting Annabelle out and touching everything, the writing is 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 good because it makes that character sympathetic. Right. So you, you want to just smack her. Right. But then it it makes her sympathetic. And, it, and I think all of the performances are very good, especially yeah. McKenna Grace, who plays their daughter, yes. who plays the little girl, yeah. uh, the the daughter of the the Warrens. Yeah, yeah, really good. So yeah, we we were we were totally had fun with it, and I uh, think it's the best of the series, and that's coming out soon. Child's Play. That's one that I've I've noticed here. It just came out. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people on social media really liked it, which I'm glad to hear. It's right. another one that sounds like if you see it in a big theater, like we were talking about, Dead Don't Die, you have a good time with it. We personally weren't impressed with it, no. but you know, if you if, if that's your thing, man, go for it. And then another one, and I, and it comes out this week here, a limited release called Lose, which is very nightmarish, interesting, another really short one. I mean, that's barely over an hour, and, mm-hmm. and I liked it as well. Yeah, and then another one that just uh, came out, and I think will be available soon on um, home video or, or streaming, is uh, Nightmare Cinema. It's a new anthology. Mm-hmm. Some of the anthologies work better than others. Some of the shorts, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah some of the shorts, I'm sorry, that make up the anthology work better than others. But overall, pretty solid, especially for anthologies, because I know we've talked before, not always our favorite. No, not, not always. Not always, our favorite. Yeah. But I think everybody should be able to find at least one or two of the shorts in there uh, that they like, and that's Nightmare Cinema. And then, boy, we've got some, we've got some big ones to look forward to oh, the rest oh, of this year. Yeah, and we one do. that we're going to see here, what, in like two tomorrow, days? Tomorrow. tomorrow. We see it tomorrow. At the time of this taping, we're going to see it tomorrow, and that's midsummer. Oh, my God. I, I'm, yeah, Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, every time, everything you see about it, including when Jordan Peele tweets about it, not that we follow Jordan Peele on Twitter or anything, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Everybody just says, it devastated me. It yeah. wrecked me. Yeah. It, you know, and I just think, no one says it scares me. Everybody's I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm prepared to be devastated and wrecked. Yeah. But you know what? That that kind of sets me up for another one of those divisive movies like, like say, like Hereditary. Hereditary. That people go, no, it wasn't scary. Other people say it devastated right, me. And, I, right. of course, we both loved it. But we will see. Uh, also, It Chapter 2. Yes. Very excited. Very excited. Very excited. Uh, was not a fan at all of the TV Chapter 2 no. uh, rendition. But This uh, cast is considerably better. It is. And also, the way they fleshed out Chapter 1 has me very, yeah. very confident yeah. that they can really take this one home. So, uh, also, Zombieland 2 Double, double tap. tap. And it was great. The T-shirt, I called it out. Jeffrey, it, it, yeah, it, Jeffrey, uh, Gates of Hell Jeffrey yeah, had it on. I called it out in the uh, in the podcast that he had it on, uh, already ready for Double Tap, and so right. are we. And one that I've got to admit I am strangely interested in, as I saw this trailer again the other night, Crawl, yeah. that alligator movie. <laughs> yes, it's ridiculous, but uh, I think I'm in. Well, you know, Alexander Aha does some interesting work. I uh, As a rule, mm-hmm. the, they're flawed to a degree that I can't say I'm necessarily a fan, but I am interested in seeing where he goes with us. Yeah, it's 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 got me interested. It's basically so. shining bright with an alligator yeah, instead of a tiger. Bright. Burning, burning bright. bright. Alligator with, instead of a tiger. With meatloaf. That's Ma, right. the meatloaf. Um, <laughs> so that's what we have to look forward to, and I'm sure there's going to be some, there's some other ones pop up that we don't know about yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, already, though, a nice list to look forward to in the next, uh, the second half of 2019. But let's get to 
what impressed us so far this year. And uh, we'll start off at number five with one of our favorite happy-go-lucky directors, Gaspar Noe. French dancers gather in a remote, empty school building to rehearse on a wintry night. The all-night celebration morphs into a hallucinatory nightmare when they learn their sangria is laced with LSD. It is climax. If you couldn't dance, what would you do? Mm, suicide. Well, we've talked about Gaspar Noe a few times on this podcast. I, I think maybe I'm more of a fan than you are. I don't love every movie that he's done, but I always want to see what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. He's such a boundary pusher. And I've, I've, I found this interesting after uh, we saw the movie. I read that he wanted to make this movie a counterpoint psychologically to 2001, which, as you know, is one of my all-time it favorite is. movies. That movie... You saw apes evolve into humans. He wanted to make a movie that go where people devolve and mm. go back to their primal urges mm. and primal instincts. And I think that's an interesting way to look at this movie because they certainly devolve. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, y- you know, one of the things I think a-, a good way to describe him as a filmmaker is punishing. Mm-hmm. And this film is a nightmare. And it's supposed to be. It's very intentionally so. Between the relentless music, the sound, the color, and then the way that, yeah, the evening just devolves and people click into these really horrible little groups. And you know what's going on here and what's going on there. And nobody's thinking clearly. And it it is. It is a nightmare. I mean, it's a very effective film. I can't say I ever want to see it again <laughs> well, because it did it just wore like on me like it uh, just wore on me that's but, what, that's but what, it is a great it is a really well-made horror and that's what he does and the funny thing is that in the most of the beginning uh, after a very mysterious opening shot then when it goes to the dancers when you first meet them it's very joyous they're very happy yeah. they, they want to dance and let it out yeah. and, and rehearse and get mm-hmm. ready for the show and then, yes, as the night wears on, holy moly, it descends in, in, into hell. And really, the only um, cast member who was professional was Sophia Botella. Right. Everybody else, I'm pretty sure, was not an actor. They're dancers. Yeah. And it, it shows, because they do some serious dancing. Yeah, Sophia Botella was a dancer as well. What's right. interesting to me, this is the one and only film I've seen her in where she doesn't play an assassin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, subconsciously, I must have thought she was the one who was going to kill everybody. Yeah. But, uh, but no, not in this case. And so much of this was improvised. It was shot with a five-page script. It, it was shot in. Uh, it was written, shot, and edited in four months in order to meet the Cannes Film Festival deadline. Mm. So they got the thing shot in 15 days, and then all started on post-production. So, so it was just amazing. A lot of it um, improvised, as I said. Even the dance scenes. Only the first one was choreographed. The rest was a result of the way the dancers chose to express themselves in their own way and the fact that so many of them were professional dancers and, as you mentioned, Sofia Botella was also a trained dancer, yes. that it worked just perfectly. But Yeah, because it really does. A lot of times, I think, when you have a film like that and it's made on a rush and people are improvising, it feels that way in a way that is sort of awkward. This feels yeah. very authentic because this is what they do, and, and they're at a party, so this is what they would have done. Yeah, and if you are familiar with his movies, especially Irreversible, it might remind you the way irreversible is told backwards this one is it's not told backwards but it has some sequences yeah. that are out of time yeah. and end up end up tying themselves together yeah. in the end yeah uh, so like you see the um, closing credits 
very early, and then you'll see the opening credits right. at the end. So yeah. it's interesting that way. But uh, always want to see what he is doing, and really enjoyed this one, number five on our horror list for the first half of the year. That is Climax, taking us up to number four. This is a quiet movie that really, really got to both of us. It's a plains woman facing the harshness and isolation of the untamed land in the western frontier of the late 1800s. It's called The Wind. This land is funny, you know. The wind never stops. Plays tricks on your mind. I've seen something. I hear it too, whispering. You remember how many graves you passed on the way here. This place is wrong. No one's here but us. No. There is nothing out there! To the five movies that we have on here today, two of them are first-time filmmakers. You know, and the other three are from very, very established Mm -hmm, filmmakers. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting, I think, to me. This is the first film that Emma Tammy has directed, and wow, it's confident. Wow, it is so confident. It's so confident in the way, especially as it goes along, the way it refuses to bow to preconceived notions or pander or anything that you might expect movies that kind of start out this way, the ways that you might expect it to go. It doesn't. She has, you're right, she's so confident in where she's taking this movie and the statement that she's making for a first-time filmmaker, just so, so impressive. Oh, and and then the writer, too. I should mention the writer, which is... Uh, Teresa Sutherland. Teresa Sutherland, And yeah. then, uh, I think, you know, sort of filling out that trifecta is uh, Caitlin Gerard, her performance. So it's it's uh, it's really, there are five people ever who appear on screen. Um, two couples, and then uh, a reverend who comes through at one point. It doesn't ever feel cheaply made, although no. in retrospect, I'm sure, because it's one location and, and a total of five actors, I'm sure that they probably did make it on a very small budget, but it never feels that way. No. And Caitlin Gerard owns this movie, and it's a really quiet, subdued performance, and it's one of those, as is very, very common in horror, the whole point is, is she crazy or is she right? And the way that they reveal things as the film progresses, I think, is very, very effective. Yeah, and I like the the contrast between, well, the title, The Wind, and they talk about, the characters talking about how the wind it never never stops. But for me, a lot of the movie, that was a metaphor for the loneliness oh, yeah. and the isolation. Yes. That is what isn't stopping. Oh, yeah. And they cannot get away from it. And uh, the how the, the film, the film's vision just sees that to the end, I thought was just very, very effective. And this is not slashing and it's not a bunch oh, of no. jump scares, but... There's definitely horror to it. Oh for my sure, goodness! Yes. Oh yeah. Sure. Absolutely. You know, just the way she's washing off the blood. Oh yeah. It's just a chore she has to do. Mm-hmm. The pressing, pressing loneliness, and that. Well, and also, um, and also, and without being preachy in any way about it, just the plight of the female. Yes. You know, and, and just like what. What exactly else is she supposed to do? Right. She has zero other choices. And it's really, 
it's an oppressive feeling for the viewer by the end of the film. Yeah, because when the when events take this turn that they do, right, then you're, well, what is she supposed to do about it? How yeah. is she supposed to react? Yeah. Uh, there's really not a lot to no, do. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an impressive film, it yeah, really is. It really is. Uh, a, a great, great debut for very promising new director, Emma Tammy, and that's number four, The Wind. Moving up to number three in our list, the top five horror from the first half of 2019. Where did it go? But it went. This is par- <laughs> Paranoia and Superstition in 15th Century Europe. Hagazuza. I first heard about this movie because at the 24-hour horror marathon that they have at the Drexel Theater every year here in Columbus, Columbus, Uh they they showed this movie. They premiered this movie, and I didn't get a chance to get there to see it, but everybody who came out of that marathon, they were just raving, and I could not wait. And man, does it live up to it. Yeah, it does. It's a slow, slow burn. I mean, it's going to remind you of The Witch in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. especially if you're a fan of The Witch. I know not everybody is. Well, not everybody's a fan of, of anything. Right. But uh, we love The Witch. Yes, we and do. this definitely has some comparisons there. But then it also cuts its own path. It's such a, a mood piece yeah, that slowly, slowly gets into you. And it's another one where you just talked about the wind. It's another one where you wonder how much of this is this really happening? Is this some sort of uh, peyote-induced kind of yeah. nightmare or whatever they call what yeah. they were having yeah. out there? Um, is it a blend of those things? Is it a blend? And there's also that, just just like there was in The Witch, this reliance on fear and superstition of women yep. back there in, yep. in that uh, time period. Yep. And uh, how the, the term of witchcraft and witchery can mm-hmm. be th- could be thrown around for no reason. Mm-hmm. And how people treat... Or for a reason. Uh, for a reason. Right. Uh, and how people treat outcasts mm-hmm. or people that are perceived to be outcasts mm-hmm. and casual cruelty. All that stuff. And it's very just slowly seeps into you. And that's what makes it, by the end, so effective. Oh, and it's it's just a, a, a sort of a visual goth poetry. It's, it's really, un, and in a lot of ways, unlike... Almost well, certainly anything else we saw this year. I mean, it, it's it, the narrative is uh, structured very loosely and and visually, it's just absolutely stunning in a way that that feels really very poetic. I thought it was gorgeous. That they're really just two two main performances, both of them absolutely glorious and really a very creepy by the end. You're asking yourself, what am I even seeing? What is happening right now? Yeah. Whatever it is, it is creepy as shit. Yeah, it's writer director Lucas. Feigfeld? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? It was his. Feigelfeld? Feigelfeld. His graduation film. Wow. Graduating from what? Because I think he earned it. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, whatever you graduated from, I think you're tops in your class because this is, again, uh, we just talked about a debut director, mm-hmm. and here's another one. And it's such an assured vision. In a strange way, maybe a little ironic way, even more so in the fact that it is similar to The Witch, and he's just, well, I don't care. Right. You know, this is what I'm doing, right. and if you're going to see some similarities to The Witch, okay, fine. Right. But, but not enough to make you, you know, say, oh, no, to cry foul about it oh, at all. Oh, goodness, no. Oh, no. I mean, one of the things I think that he does really well is mines a very old history. I mean, this is the 1400s yeah. in the Alps, uh-huh. you know? And it's fascinating because, you know, it's such a sort of alien environment. You're, like, watching going, well... 
I don't understand. But at the same time, they're, they're not going to stop and explain it to you. You really need to follow along. There's a there's a very clear internal logic to the film. It's just an alien logic to us. Well, again, similarly to how we were just talking about the wind, the the elements are yeah, big, especially huge. during the wintertime. Oh, my God. And they have to carve out an existence. You know, that doesn't look fun. And, and also, I think loneliness yeah, plays a yeah. profound oh, part in this one as well. Again, because in both movies, the... Dare you call them neighbors? The the closest yeah. the closest other humans, yeah. humans to yeah. them play a pivotal yeah. role in what goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, superstition and sort of fear of the woman and sort of how you internalize that. And then also, yes, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drugs. Yeah, then you have to make a call about what may or may not be happening and what you're going to what you're going to believe is happening right. or maybe how authentic you think the the uh, viewpoint of the main character at that point is and one of the things i like about this movie is that you know the same with the wind there's a, there is a, a very very strong subgenre that is the, basically is the female lead crazy mm-hmm. or is she correct mm-hmm. this one plays with that like if maybe there's a third option which i <laughs> thought was very interesting yeah yeah, and still, at the very, very end, you're going to have different interpretations. Yes. Uh, because I think, because you saw it first, and it took me a while to see it. In fact, I just watched it about a week or so ago, getting mm-hmm. ready for this podcast. And so I had a couple, there was a couple of points where I had maybe a different interpretation than you did. Yeah. Uh, and not to say that anybody's wrong well, or right. Well, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that anybody's wrong or right. It's going to be leave, leave some of that open. But uh, really, really impressive again for a, for a first and graduation film. Yeah, it's Hagazuza, our number three film. Let's go up to number two, and it's the one that we were just talking about because we showed it last week. It's the peaceful town of Centerville, finding itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start rising from their graves. The dead don't die. What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. Flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Oh, man, this isn't going to end well. Yeah, as you said right off the bat, I think part of maybe what makes this movie so polarizing is that a lot of people who are coming to see it are coming to see it because it's this great cast and it's a new zombie movie and they're probably not that familiar with the work of Jim Jarmusch. Right, right. It's a very Jim Jarmusch film. It is. I think some people that saw the trailer and, of course, the great cast, you, oh, know, yeah. right, you know, were expecting maybe Bill Murray in something like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And I understand that, and, yeah. but that's not what this is. Well, and, and to be fair to them, right, have you ever seen a marketing campaign like this for a Jim Jarmusch no, film? Well, Never. No. Well, no. As, you, as you pointed out, this is his first national really, release. National mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the cast has almost everything, everything to, to do, do with, with that. that. But it's a movie, you know, I, I was going back and forth on, on social media with a few people about this movie, that, that it didn't work as well for them. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of Napoleon Dynamite in the fact that we both love Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my goodness, yes. There are other people that go, are you serious? You know, if that works for you, and you know, for me, Napoleon Dynamite, in the first five minutes, if you're not laughing, get out. Right. Because it just, that's just not your thing. That's not your type of humor. You don't see why it's funny. But if you do, like us, you think it's freaking hysterical. Right. The same way here. If it doesn't get you, because I think a lot of people... 
that didn't end up loving it thought it was going to pick up as, that's, the, as it that's went along. That's what I and think is the, yeah. That's what I think is the biggest thing. A lot of people, you know, enjoyed the deadpan humor for the first half hour or so, but it is, you know, it, it, traditionally a horror film, a zombie movie, the tensions are going to sort of amp up and the, you know, the sense of urgency and the time spent and the things are going to move more quickly. Nothing ever moves any more quickly in this movie. It's it's always at a very slow, very deadpan drawl. And it's so funny. Yeah. But again, I mean, if people who are expecting something to sort of comply to the cinematic structure you're used to, and that's just not what Jim Jarmusch does. But if you're a longtime horror fan, you're going to see a buttload of homages oh and callbacks Lord. to Holy so cow. many films. I mean, the first obvious one is Return of the Living Dead. And, yes. You know, they make a lot of reference they to do. that. Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the, car, the, car. the cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it just goes on and on. But you're going to see more as well. And I kept looking around the screen at oh, different yeah. times and thinking, I know I'm missing some. Oh, I yeah. I know I am. Yeah, so, yeah. So it really feels like a love letter to the to the that type of, of horror movie um, so even even if you don't love the entire movie you're gonna love that because it is so steeped in horror history well just take the cast alone I mean the, oh, yeah. the podcast that we did on this film was other horror films great horror films that right. these people have started and the fact is that we picked five of course and then you could have gone on we could have done ten every I mean almost everybody in this movie has starred in at least one horror film so you just start there and one thing that I just read that you're going to love, apparently Jim Jarmers originally wanted Bruce Campbell oh my. To, play, of course he did. to play the part that Carol Kane ended up playing. Oh, my God. Uh, for some reason, uh, it didn't work out oh. with Bruce Campbell. How sweet would that have been? That would have been and sweet. And then they, re- re- they rewrote the, uh, the role for a woman. That's the character that runs around going, Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> because because all, the, all the zombies are after, they're not after brains, they're after whatever they were after in real life. Right, right, right. Which is one of the, uh, the running gags that's, that's just hilarious. And, you know, they're just, it's, it's not just the old zombie films that are referenced. I mean, there's the scene where Adam Driver leans out the window with a machete to cut off the head of one particular zombie, and that zombie is dressed identically to Bill Murray's character in Zombieland. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's just, it just it goes on and on oh, yeah, and on. Yeah. But you're right. You have to be a fan of this type of deadpan humor because it doesn't pick up. It doesn't no. go no. Shaun of the Dead at all. Oh, no. But if it that sort of thing works for you as well as it works for us, um, then I that then you'll know why that we pushed this so high on the list because we we both thought it was just so much fun. It was. And, you know, we love this cast. I mean, every face in here is beloved to us. You know, I think the two real leads, right, would be Bill Murray and Adam Driver. And Bill Murray, as, as we said before, just he has chemistry with every single person on screen, including, as we point out, Carol Kane, who's dead in the entire film. <laughs> he is just adorable, and you love him. But for me, Adam Driver was a surprise. Now, Adam Driver oh. is a remarkable talent, but I had no idea he was so funny. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned the tilde. Oh, the tilde. Come on. Oh, my God. Another thing, as, as far as references go, it has multiple references to Goulardi. Now, yes! Goulardi is not going to mean anything to a lot of people, but here in Ohio... Oh, huge. Uh, Goulardi hosted a, an old type of... Uh, it was a TV show out of Cleveland that I used to watch on reruns and right. syndication when I was a kid. And he did these... Like a Joe Bob Briggs. Like a Joe Bob Briggs, yeah. yeah and he dressed up... His, his name was Ernie Anderson, and he dressed up as Goulardi. And, of course, Ernie Anderson now has a connection to today's Hollywood and one of the best directors working today. Yeah, he's Paul Thomas Anderson's father. You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, 
So, so he did well. Yeah, he did well. But there's a lot. Of, there's a, a the first time I saw it in the background there in the store, the yeah. store that um, yeah. that um, Caleb Landry Jones yeah, works, works in. It. I'm like, that's Goulardi I back know. there. And I love too. Caleb Landry Jones uh, wears two different Nosferatu t-shirts, which means that he has almost as many Nosferatu t-shirts as I have. <laughs> there's just a, a bunch of those. So it's just what one or two, one or two, three of the reasons that uh, we found this movie to be a ton of fun. The Dead Don't Die number two on our list of best horror for the first half of 2019, and that can only leave room for one at the top. What could it be? You've probably guessed that it's a family's serene beach vacation turning to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them in Jordan Peele's Us. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. Did y'all scare a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora. Put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. What are you people? It's us. Here is another one that begs to be watched repeatedly. Oh. I mean, for a million reasons, but among them, just to make sure that you're catching all the Easter eggs. So, so, so many. And some that I didn't catch the first time. In fact, I don't know if you caught this, but carved on the side of the entrance to the Hall of Mirrors, the words, Get Out. Yes, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but but not just his, his movie. Um, so many great horror oh, movies yeah, are so referenced. Many. I mean, on and on and on. Jaws, and then, of course... The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys, the setting there. It, you know, in the very beginning, you see the VHS tapes Chud. around Chud, with also the Goonies, yeah. and the right stuff, which is interesting because you look at all three of those movies, and they all deal with either things below the ground or... Above, right, right, right. Just everything means something. Yeah, I mean, he's he's shown himself to be an incredibly thoughtful visionary filmmaker. Yeah. And this one also um, begs many different interpretations. Oh yeah, uh, in much. It's it's much less concrete than Get Out was, yes. But still very very effective. But the the one thing that comes through, no matter how you interpret it, is. Everything is, is about duality. Yes. I mean, you constantly see 11, 11. Mm -hmm. um, everything has a doppelganger yeah. on the other side of it. Even the, the song. Think about the song. I got five on it. What is that song about? It's a drug song about two people each pitching in $5 to buy a $10 bag of weed. <laughs> everything. Mm -hmm. Everything is so carefully placed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I love it so much. And here's one tidbit I just found out. One person, one celebrity who made a cameo in this movie that nobody realized, Nicole Richie. How did she manage that? Because she was actually in the commercial for Hands Across America <laughs> that they show on the TV. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, they show that real ad for Hands Across America, which you realize at the time, and if you weren't involved in Hands Across America, how kind of creepy that was, wasn't it? You're like, we're all going to get together and hold hands. At the time, you're like, yeah, we're going to do it. And I was out there standing in a field. <laughs> We didn't quite pull it off, but then you see the commercial now. Maybe it's the context of the movie, but you see the commercial now, and you're like, yeah, that is, it's kind of weird. Well, and the commercial was creepy. You know, it, like, closes in on people's teeth in yeah. their hands, and <laughs> it's, like, so, like, weirdly super creepy close-up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as we talked about before that we've, we've talked about this movie, um, it's loosely based on an old Twilight Zone episode. And, you know, it has those different interpretations. It could be 
about a lot of things. You, you could make the case that it's about, are we repressing the darkest parts of ourselves that we fight to keep hidden all the time, or, or maybe the fragile nature of our own identity, or even how bitterly this country is divided sure. right now. I mean, yeah. all those things and more. And I think it's another indication of, of the brilliance of this movie and Peel as a filmmaker is that they all could, you could make an argument for all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. But no matter what the core symbolism might mean, it's a it's an incredibly absorbing, involving and creepy movie with all those rabbits. Yeah. You know, and and the whole underground, the way they move yeah. to to mirror what's happening above ground. Yeah. Yep. Of course, Lupita Nyong'o, the, the whole cast is great. But she, first of all, again, we said this, we've said this several times this year. If you can get an Oscar winner to lead your horror movie, I'd like to thank you. Because yes. it just really elevates yeah. our favorite genre. Right. And she's so good. She's, she's so, good. so good in this but movie. But you're right, they all go- are all good, too. Yeah, uh, they are. Right down to the kids. Oh, yeah. Um, everybody's great. And um, I love how the fact that uh, Winston Duke is such a dork. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he is. You talk about wanting to see this movie several times. It's one of those, much like it reminds me of The Sixth Sense, in the fact that once you saw The Sixth Sense and you saw the twist, I think one of the reasons that movie made so much money that it did is that people went back to yeah. s- try to see the clues. Right. Same way here. There are clues to oh, the twist. Oh, yes, absolutely. There definitely are. Mm-hmm. And you can't believe you missed them, you know, if you did. And I'm sure you you didn't get all of them, even no. if you caught on um, a little quicker than, than some people did. But there are, there are a ton of them. Yeah, it's just one more reason to see it twice or three or four times. Yeah. I mean, we want to see it again because of all of the horror movie little nods mm-hmm. that we missed. Yeah. But I'd want to see it again just because it was a fun, scary movie. And it's also smart. Oh, so smart. Which, which, I, which I love. You know, I talked about that, I think, when we wrote the um, written review for yeah. this. We talked about being scared stiff is fun, but for, for our, my money, I think for our money, being scared smart is even better. Yeah. And that's what, that's what this movie does. It scares you smart. And I loved it and can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. And that is our number one horror movie for the first half of 2019. It's Us. What do you think? What do we leave out? What do we not have high enough or low enough? Or what do you think? Uh, let us know. It's easy to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can find us at Fright Club Pod. Always love to hear from you. Of course, on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other podcast about all the new releases called The Screening Room. You can find that anytime at madwolf.com. We always appreciate you listening to the Fright Club podcast. And wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you would take a second to subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Yes, very much so. So we're looking ahead to Wednesday, July 10th, next edition of Fright Club Live. We're back at the Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, to show We Are the Flesh and talk about body fluids. That's right. Uh And then what's going to be the next studio, Fright Club? Do we know yet? We're kicking around some options. Why don't we take a vote? We want to take a vote? Yeah, so um, dogs... I was thinking about doing basically for Natalia. Natalia, our friend Natalia, complains that dogs never survive, cats never survive, hmm. and then um, in in Annabelle, she was mostly she was most worried about the chicken. <laughs> the chicken. So I was thinking about doing one on dogs or cats, or I suppose we could do a combination of the two. Well, you know, this we were uh, just talking today it was one of the first nice weekends we've had in eons here in the Midwest, and we saw so many nice dogs out. We did nice dogs everywhere, just yeah. begging to be petted. Uh, so we, maybe we could do dogs. But yeah. let's see. Let's see if we get uh, any uh, feedback on that. Yeah. If you're thinking dogs. People love dogs, though. So I bet you it would win. And we yeah. love cats, too. Dogs might work. All right. We'll see. Keep in touch if you can. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends.